0: Welcome to the special edition podcast of Leadership in Focus. I'm Jason Moriarty, and today's podcast is on the Cove's most recent challenge, where they pose the question, most important leadership lesson. I have asked Mark Wheeler, Poda Coco, and David Shaw to join me to discuss the challenge. Welcome, gents, and thank you for taking the time to join me on Leadership in Focus and the chat about the challenge that the Cove put out. Before we start, however, I'd like to remind our listeners that everything discussed on this podcast is our opinion and is not the view of the Australian Defence Force. Uh, gents, uh, thank you again uh, for coming in. Um, as I alluded to or spoke about in, in, in the introduction, the Cove some weeks back um, asked that question and there was quite a response from you know a fairly broad range of rank, uh, but also... A diverse range of jobs and titles that uh, that value added to the conversation, um, and I asked you to come up with two, I guess, two articles or responses that you found that resonated with you. Uh, I understand that also want have been a bit of a challenge because there were so many articles in there or responses that um, I thought were outstanding. Um, so I guess I I asked you to pick two. Um, so, who did you select and who wrote them? Mark.
1: Hi, right, good morning. Um, so I actually looked at the sort of junior ranks more because I, I wanted to see how they were feeling uh, and what they believed to be a good leader or leadership style. Yep. I just wanted to gauge what they were thinking. Um, the first one I got is a Sergeant Patrick Brennan. Um, and he essentially was continu- continuously learn from others Both good and bad, but ultimately be yourself, and I think that's what it's all about. Is you know, throughout your career in the army, you're going to have you know, lots and lots of uh, leaders or potential leaders around you, and just because you're in a position of rank or an appointment doesn't mean you're necessarily a good leader, Um, and to identify those good leadership skills in other people around you. And then emulate that is, a, is a, a great thing, I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The, the authentic leadership part is something that I, um, I learned very young in my career. Um, if I was going to tell a story, when I was a recruit instructor many years ago, the only um, touch point I had was my experience of being a re- um, being a recruit and how I was treated. Um, and it took uh, a peer of mine, um, Brad Doyle, to say, "Hey, Jason." Uh, did you like it when you went through? Did you like getting treated like that? And then it sort of dawned on me that I wasn't being my authentic self. I was replicating someone else that I had experienced along the journey. And I had the same experience um, as a drill sergeant at RMC, where I found some of the captains were treating the cadets the way that they were treated. And it wasn't until I posed that same question, did they sort of amend the way that they were behaving behaving
1: yeah, I think we've moved on from the you know, the conscript corporals and sergeants screaming and shouting at soldiers, and and yeah. it's my way or the highway type of thing. We've moved on from that, and that's not leadership. That's just I, I know the army's autocratic in a general sp- term, but you know you can't be like that in this day and age. It's, mm. it's not good leadership, and people will not respond to you. Um, as they should or would if you uh, treat them with respect and a bit of dignity
0: yeah.
2: um, very similar actually to uh, the first one I actually chose one from uh, Warren the Class 1 uh, John Stonebridge <clears throat> and it's basically on the same premise and the main point of it was to basically close your mouth, listen breathe, think and remain calm again We tend to get wrapped up in um, yelling and screaming and not understanding the full situation. Traditionally, people have a reason why they do a certain thing, and it just takes us to listen and stop for a second and actually assess the situation properly. And that comes with, as previously said, that leadership um, model of being able to just remain calm and Nine times out of ten, you're actually going to find a solution quicker instead of uh, using that screaming method. So it's actually very, very similar.
0: I I actually haven't heard anyone scream for some time. I don't know if if, Mm. if you guys Mm. have. I think that that's gone. Mm. And I I certainly don't think um, the new soldiers would respond to that. I'd be surprised if they did. Um, It may have worked many years ago, but certainly not. Um, uh, probably not a skill that I would I would suggest works now. Or, or so interestingly, you said listening. Yep. Do you think that's the key? Is that the, is that the key part of of what you think we need to be able to do to move to move forward and to be a good leader? Actively listen. It's probably
2: a better way to put it. Yep. And understand that you're both trying to come to a solution. Um, nine times out of ten. If you give the other person the opportunity to explain the situation, uh, it's not malicious um, and you can guide them to the correct solution if they don't have all the information themselves. But it's just having that chance to, to have that two-way conversation in between two leaders. So, yeah, that's where I think
0: active listening comes into it. Yeah, I think it's a good point about um, just because it's not your idea or it's not the way that you would complete that task or take on that task you need to ask your question well is it achieving the same end state yeah. um, just because it's not your way yeah. doesn't make it any less right yeah. um, and people have different ways of going about it oh, That yeah that that's excellent yeah definitely
3: hi uh, g'day everyone um, so yeah obviously a lot of good points uh, I had to pick two uh, the first one I picked was from Warren Officer Sean Voss uh, and it struck me because it made me chuckle initially and um, uh, in what, he, what he said was you have one mouth, two ears and use them in accordance with that ratio um, so really working off the theme of, of listening um, a, a constant theme that I identified throughout all the ranks was, was decisiveness uh, a lot of people spoke about decisiveness and I certainly agree to be a good leader you need to be decisive and you need to make decisions uh, quickly or in the absence of information uh, you know the 80% on time rather than the 100% uh, late. Um, however, I'd temper that with, you know, in relation to the Warren Officer Voss's statement that your decisions can be made more effectively if you utilise the collective expertise and knowledge of your team first. So mistakes are fine but if you can avoid making that mistake in the first pa- place by engaging with your team and listening before you speak, uh, in many cases you'll achieve a better outcome and you'll achieve that outcome quicker.
0: That's interesting. That That's um, probably, uh, I'm not sure, Mark, if you mentioned listening, but you you too did. Mm. It, it is it is an interesting point. And if I was, I don't know about you, when I reflect on the weakness I have as a leader, is that listening, um, active listening? Because I often find myself um, not listening to take that information in, but I'm listening and already formulating a response mm. where you need to be more present, accept the information like, mm. like that article said take a take a, a minute to pause and then um, give your give some feedback or give some advice or, or, or just say well done I guess is the alternative but I find it interesting that um, you both found the listening um, as key or one of the key factors mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I do like the point and it's the other part that is the second time we've heard is about this think fast think slow or mm. make a decision um, and for our listeners, um, I think the book's called Think Fast and Slow. It is. Uh, um, Daniel it, is a, it is a hard read. So my advice is get the audio book first <laughs> and foremost. <laughs> um, it's still a hard listen. Um, but I learned, and I, to, be, to be brutally honest, I haven't finished it yet, but I've learned so much about understanding what sort of person I am. So I, I consider myself someone that thinks, thinks fast and having and to think slower is actually a bit of a struggle. You actually yeah. have to make a conscious decision. But I, that also links with my um, disc profile, yeah. which is I'm a, um, a, an eagle and a, and a peacock, which is um, decisive and um, goal-orientated. So when you start to understand yourself, you, you start putting and stitching these together and you start yeah. to get a full picture. But um, that book's awesome and, and they're two two keys that I got out of the, the, the first articles that, that you have read and, and it really resonated with you
3: I think um, j- just one last point with the think fast and slow um, I know PJ here is a mm. combat shooting instructor Is something that they reiterate on the courses a lot is slow where you mm. oh, correction fast where you can be slow where you have to be mm. um, and you know that is reflective in, in doing drills yep. really effectively but if you need to slow it down, yep. slow it down to achieve a result then do so yep, definitely. yeah
0: definitely yeah. so something I've often wondered do you think that the army the way that we train do, do you think it sets us up or sets someone up better if you're a fast thinker as opposed to a more deliberate style thinker uh, or do you think that um, we learn that through our training
1: I think because we, we have a lot of drills we have a lot of you know IE drills etc that, that gives us that buffer to allow us then to think and to take that that pause to understand what's going on so you know something happens straight away we're into the IA and that gives us as leaders to a chance to step back and actually look at the situation or look at the bigger picture so yeah I think I, I think with those drills what I'm trying to say is that we, we do create that space for us to think yep. in um, and that's my belief yeah mm.
0: So I had a, uh, a CO um, once ask me, are you a fast or slow thinker? And at the time, I'd never heard of the book. He actually bought it for me. Um, and I went, oh, I think I'm a fast thinker. And he said, well, I agree, but there's a certain part in your career where you need to transition from being a fast thinker, because I think that fast thinking, that fast decision-making is excellent from a soldier through to probably a sergeant. Uh, at that. But at some point, you need to transition into a more... Deliberate thinker, so you, you make decisions based on all the facts, not just some of them. Um, yeah. And I thought that was an interesting view, and I, I, I tend to agree. Mm-hmm. Harder, it's harder actually to, to make that make that happen because, I guess, the first the first step is reading the book or listening to the book, and then understanding what those two systems are, mm-hmm. um, and being conscious of it. All right, that's awesome, Mark. What's oh, your next one? Second one. We're up.
1: Um, so this one's from Corporal. Alexander Wen, excuse the uh, pronunciation. Um, and again, this one links into that, the first one. Uh, and the key point I'm going to bring out is the idea is to not directly imitate your mentor, but to take certain qualities and blend them within your own. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it's learning from others, seeing what's good, seeing what's bad. Okay, but you, you're not imitating the good points because you know they may not be suitable where they are. Um and then he finishes off with conduct yourself at the end of the goal um, by having your subordinates wanting to imitate you, which is you know I think you know if you can if the the younger guys are looking up to you as a leader and they want to be you, then I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. What do you yeah, reckon within leadership? Definitely. Um, I
2: have just come out of the school of infantry for the last two years, and you can definitely see. Individuals' leadership styles, where they're mimicking someone else, mm. and it's not their own, yep. and it it can't it can't be held for a long time. It, it eventually breaks and it erodes. So, as the statement said, you take those points that are relevant for you, but you can't. If you try to uh, mimic someone else that's not you, it it won't last. It's a not sustainable. Long time. It's not sustainable, and so people will see that. Yeah. You know, especially. People that you're trying to instruct, uh, your peers, and, and also your superiors. So, you're better off being yourself and just taking those lessons on board yep. uh, and going forward from
0: there. Okay, okay. You, you've raised a, a point that I've always thought that yeah. it's a, at some point, whether you're under pressure, under stress, that that facade that you will put up, this yeah. this imposter you're you're putting up as, as you, yeah. um, will just fall away, and your true self will come out. You can't. It's just not sustainable. Certainly not for any long yeah. uh, amount of time. So. So on on that, how how, do, how does a say junior NCO or even a, a senior soldier or soldier, when they're putting on or well, pretending they're someone they're not, I guess for want of a better term, how, how do we teach them? How do we how do we highlight them that to them that they're better off being themselves? Because they're doing that, I think, because they haven't got the experience that they think they need to to carry out a function or a role. So they're mimicking someone that they know that does it. I guess mm-hmm. is what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah by giving them the opportunities to be in a, in a position, they're, g- they're eventually going to find out who they are. And like you said, be yeah. that through failure or success, That's eventually over the, you know, the progression of numerous sort of uh, opportunities, yeah. then they are going to find themselves. And it's, I don't know, a leaders born or are they developed? I don't, I don't think. That's you know, another very good question. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably <laughs> do a whole podcast Is on there, that. Yeah, yeah, going yeah, <laughs> down a, a track there but essentially even you know however senior we are here we're still learning as we go and we we never will stop learning leadership and yeah yeah, it's just giving the junior or the junior well everybody giving them opportunities to lead and that's how they're going to develop and they're going to find themselves and become the true leader that they have the ability to be
3: yeah I'd extend on that and I think when I mean we've all done it and some people are more you know, I'm more disposed to doing it more regularly than others. But when you do put up a facade, a lot of the time it has to do with uh, what you think the perception should be of you, um, mm. and it's a, it's a pride thing. And you know, we have you know, talk infantry um, You know, you have a young section commander newly promoted, and he's trying to you know he's trying to stamp his ground, and he's trying to emulate someone who he thinks you know I- embodies that a key characteristic. I think that enables that person to be stripped down and then built up again is humility. If you don't have humility to go, you know what, I actually don't possess command presence in this circumstance or I actually fall down at this point. If you can admit to yourself and admit to your team, superiors, peers, subordinates, that those are your weaknesses, then you then give yourself the license through that vulnerability to then build it up again. But if you never admit that, if if you're not humble enough to accept those weaknesses well, they'll just be exposed at key friction points when it, when it actually counts. You know, strip yourself back during training, build yourself up during training, so that then when, when you have to display those characteristics for real, you can. Mm. But yeah, that's
2: good. Yeah, just, just um, and I think, you know, the term failing forward is something that when we're given opportunities to go out and train and, and do this as, as leaders, and especially if we're providing that, that area and that space for these, say, for example, these junior NCOs to explore this is that we create an environment where they can fail forward Mm. and explore uh, the positives and negatives of what they've potentially conducted and and go on from there. Um, Historically, we probably haven't had the best uh, outlook on failing forward. And, and, And a lot of these junior NCOs will mimic individuals above them who have passed... Who are looking or succeeding in their area, and so they'll think that that is the standard that needs to be achieved, because there hasn't been somewhere where they could potentially fail and learn from without some sort of bias against them. So, yeah, that's a good um, point. You know, and these come on certain promotion courses or, or wherever it may be in, on this person's career, but we need to be able to uh, deliver that for
0: them so they can explore. So, so I guess if what I'm what I'm hearing is that we need to we need to to test or to um, push some boundaries in our training to, to bring them to a point where they understand who they are, understand their limitations, understand their strengths, mm-hmm. and that forms their growth. We build them up. But also it's important as leaders that we are we are quick to praise yes. but slow to punish. Yes. And I agree that sometimes um, we're not we, we don't we don't produce or form this environment where that is what happens yeah. and I think it's, it's a very good point that you all made you got any yeah. more Mark on your two is that about it
1: yeah that's my two yeah they yeah,
0: are no, oh, excellent yeah okay, so my
2: second one was from a uh, Corporal Mitchell Farrell and again going into the, the leadership piece uh, the main point he, I got out of this one as you gain leadership uh, leadership skills in one area you'll find there are more to learn and practice in taking on new challenges and more senior roles. Um, I've just been promoted to a sergeant from junior NCO, and you know after your fifth year as a junior NCO, you kind of feel very comfortable um, in your job and, and what you do. And then once you go to that next rung, you're then the small fish in a big pond type deal. So it's having the humility to understand that you're not going to be great at every position, but have the professional drive to continue for that excellence. And so if we continue that throughout our career, we don't get stale because, you know, a lot of people who tend to believe that they know everything about their job and position um, are, suffer from resistance to change. Yeah, And that's where we just need to understand that there is continuous learning happening throughout our careers and our mindset is on that path. That we're continuously learning, and we never really
0: get to the end. Yeah, um, particularly with leadership. Um, yes, I, I often chuckle when I when I hear people um, explain themselves as a leadership expert. I, I just don't see how that that's a thing, because as you have gained experience uh, and knowledge, that sort of forms, and, and the outcome is wisdom. But that experience yeah. is ongoing. You continue to learn how to be a better person. You're continually getting new knowledge. You're continually then bolstering and reinforcing your wisdom. I just don't, as a leader, um, I just don't think that you could ever stop learning and growing. Um, therefore, I don't, I don't know. How, I, it just makes me laugh when people yeah. call themselves a leadership expert, and yeah. that's, that, that's to your point. Yeah. Did you find the step from junior and to sergeant hard? No. Um, not
2: not as hard as I would have I found it from being a private to a lance corporal. Oh, that's, a, yeah. that's the first real step because at the end of your time as a junior NCO you tend to be very close to the senior NCOs yep. so it's a natural progression um, and especially being at the School of Infantry mm-hmm. it, it was a natural progression there mm-hmm. so it didn't feel as big as a jump as it was from going from a private to a lands corporal and having to distinguish myself and not not necessarily isolate, but then have that difference in um, professional, like a professional workplace. So there was yep. a bigger jump there uh, than from Corporal to
0: Sergeant. Do you think your you, you transition from Sergeant, sorry, to Corporal to Sergeant, did you have a mentor? Was there a mentor, in, whether it was a formal arrangement or informal, did, did that help you transition or you didn't really play a part?
2: Um, there's been multiple mentors I had over my career. But traditionally, when it came to the senior NCO, becoming senior NCO, it was just maintaining the humility of trying to strive for excellence, I guess, you know, um, and understanding that I don't understand it at all, you know, and having that going forward. And that's what I pretty much picked up from most of my time in the infantry, from especially the good leaders and that. Still having, still understanding where I've come from and what I know, but then still continuing to learn Mm. in the new position.
0: Yeah, good point, okay. All right, what about you? Uh,
3: Last point or second point from me uh, was from Colonel Colin Lingo. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And he said, You need to afford your junior leaders the environment and the space to exercise creativity in achieving outcomes. Um, I think that point really ties in with accepting risk. Um, mm. You can make the most correct decision at the time with the information you have, and it can elicit a poor outcome. That, that happens. The enduring features of war are friction, uncertainty, chance and danger. Sometimes things just go wrong and they're not foreseeable, and we need to be able to accept that um, and not necessarily persecute those commanders who made those decisions with the correct information just because of their outcome. Otherwise, you won't have any commanders left because when we go to war and you send out a patrol and they don't come back and it was the correct decision to make, you can't just fire the platoon commander mm. right, and replace him with someone else because, you know, enduring features of war, uncertainty, chance, these things happen, mm. uh, and you need to afford your commanders the space to make those decisions. So... Your junior leaders need to be afforded the professional discretion and responsibility to make these decisions in the absence of information, in these dangerous and precarious situations.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know that, and, and we've we sort of touched on a few points about um, the way that we we teach or guide our people about being, you know, slow, quick to praise and, and slow to punish, and and I've have seen that in my career where we've yeah. we've. We've um, prosecuted someone for making a decision based on the information they had. Yeah. and But it, and I guess it's easier then, um, days later, when all yeah. the information comes to light, to then criticise the decision that they made. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, be- I, think,
1: I think the fact that you made a decision and didn't just sit on it is more praiseworthy than making a wrong decision, Yeah. You know, yeah. obviously depending on the decision you make, within reason. Hmm. But, you know, I've always thought, you know, just make a decision if you if it's wrong, we'll deal with that at a later date. Yep. As long as no one's you know, killed or severely you know, yep. injured, then mm-hmm. we can go with that. But you know, to not make a decision and just let things, you know, fester, I think that's wor- more. Yep, know, that's yeah. worse.
3: Yeah, definitely. If you want flexible and adaptable teams within this contemporary operating environment, you have to afford them that space and autonomy to make decisions within the commander's intent. Yeah.
0: Well, that, that, the, the articles, all three, has chose um, in one way, shape, or form, were sort of we're all coupled together, or uh, in the link, um, and we've, we've pulled out some key themes um, that that resonated with you. So, what part of either either those two articles or any articles in general made you actually nod your head and go, "Oh, yeah, that's so true"? Were they in, what, what? What specific? Points or or, or or even one word that really resonated with you.
1: Mine goes back to the two. I sort of focused on those two because they really um, stood out to me, and and it was be yourself. You can't you can't be somebody else. You, mm. You've got to be yourself. You know the, the fact that you probably got to spend a little bit of time finding out who you are and get into that position, um, and that's when. I think you will start to really clearly show your leadership um, yeah. attributes. But be yourself. Authentic leadership. Yeah. Yeah, Koko,
0: yourself. what about you, mate?
1: As I said before, active listening.
2: Yeah. Um, taking on whatever information and, as you said, not uh, coming up with a solution before the conversation. Mm. Um, you know, and we we tend to do this if we feel that it's a personal attack or... Um, potentially we feel that we're getting undermined or whatever it may be, but in the long run um, actively listening to someone's uh, point of view um, could have a much greater more beneficial outcome for the team and that's something as a leader we need to take a step down
0: sometimes and take on that information
3: Mm.
0: and maybe when when take on let them uh, come up with the course of action let them run with it this is not not your idea let them run with it and if it fails then we we pop them up Um, we tell them where they where potentially they went wrong and they learn from it excellent sir what about you
3: Um, yeah I suppose listening obviously in line with Coco listening was um, listening was my first theme Uh, and the second one is you know affording affording your leaders space um to, to act within the commander's intent yeah we you know we quote mission ma- command a lot um it's, it's it's a buzzword at the moment but really if you can execute it effectively um, it's an absolute it's, it's a force multiplier you yeah. know i think we talk about you know to use a business terminology of competitive advantage it is our competitive advantage as a smaller more intimate more highly trained army than potential adversaries that is our competitive competitive advantage is our ability to act within the commander's intent
0: yeah, no, excellent. Well, the last question I have is: we've we've, we've spoken about what other people have, have written about. Um, what's you know what's the challenge? and What's the most important leadership lesson that they've or advice they've got to give? What about you guys? What do you think is is what's your advice?
1: So, mine is drawn from um, a. Subunits on Major I had, um, and we're talking 30 years ago now, showing me age here, I know, but but he he was a quiet man, he was calm, he was considered, approachable, very respectful. um, When dealing with members, I mean, I don't even think I've thought about it today, Uh, I've never heard him, I can't even remember hearing him shout and scream at somebody. Even a drill lesson was <laughs> pretty calm and peaceful with him. It was it was just strange.
0: Which would have been di- a, a different style back then, for sure. Yes, definitely.
1: I mean, he stood out, and he had his critics, but he, he got the job done. And um, look, the soldiers, the the junior NCOs, the senior NCOs, even the the officers used to always go to him for you know for for his advice and his uh, recommendations. Um, if if he couldn't answer it, he would always you know, point you in the right direction and he was just somebody that sort of to me stood, you know, shoulders heads and shoulders above everybody else just because of that attitude. Hmm. And you know, and I I thought he was a fantastic leader. He never actually progressed up the ranks higher than I thought he would. But, you know, I don't know if that was just the times that he wasn't he didn't fit into what people thought a leader was, you know. Yeah. Um, Probably back then, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and that was a shame. So, you know, but it was just that calm and considered sort of um, personality he had. He just, everything so, seemed so easy and so simple. And when he came to you and if he gave you a task or there was um, something that required to be done, you wanted to do it for him you, you and he made you want to be that. And I think that's what a leader is, isn't it? If you... Yeah if you can persuade somebody to do a task mm. and, and actually want them to do that, I think that is a good leader.
0: Yeah. Um, sounds like he's before his time. No, before he fitting <laughs> yeah. more better yeah. in, in, in yeah. our no, yeah. generation. Yeah. Oh, awesome. All right, thanks. Koko?
2: Um, this one I learnt as a junior NCO. It did take me a long time to learn it, but uh, we do get wrapped up in the enormity of what the Army is, uh, the policies, procedures, and everything else. And what we and what I forgot was our, what our main resource is, and that was humans. And so, especially as a young junior NCO, I was always looking up and trying to achieve whatever the, the mission or whatever the goal was and tend to forget sometimes about the individuals in my team. And so, the lesson I learnt was that if you could treat everyone as a professional individual they would in turn rise to be an effective team member. You know, everyone's joined the army because they want to be a part of the team that achieves the goal. And they want to have that, um, they want to have input. And so when they don't get it, um, they tend to, you know, become jaded or they want to go somewhere else and they seek it other places. So going back my first points, Active listening for me is where that would have come in, um, and allows everyone to achieve the
1: goal.
0: Yeah, that, that, that again, Coco some really insightful, some insightful comments, and I and I, and I, I think that that yours and Mark's are, uh, are probably more closely aligned. Than you think, you know, someone that asks, hey, can you give me your opinion? If you've got the time, you should always reach out and ask people, and you know, it shouldn't be um, rank dependent or even role, um, I think you need to have some humility and some vulnerability because I think that's powerful, as I wrote in mine, um, and admitting that you don't know all the answers um, and asking people for help to, to elicit some of their advice is very important um, so yeah, I, another outstanding comment, thanks mate that's it. Uh,
3: Yeah, difficult to narrow down to, yeah. to one specific example um, for me though, it was it's lead by example um, and it's hard, <laughs> you know. Leadership leadership isn't easy. Um, and with, with leading by example, I think you need to know your organisation's values. You need to then know the specific team or, uh, or organisation you're working within their values as well, because that that's you know can be tailored to a specific environment. And then you need to well you need to think about and well ensure you know and understand your own values as well. And then all of the decisions that you make can be in accordance with those values. With in accordance with those values and in accordance with the commander's intent, and if you're happy to be accountable for those those decisions, then more often than not, you'll make the right the, you'll make the right decision. Um, I always said to my soldiers, um, in their platoon commanders' interviews, I will accept honest mistakes, but I will not accept lazy mistakes. Mm. So you know, if you're going out on a limb and you're doing your best. And you're acting within the intent, you're acting within the you know, the army or the military, the ADS values, um, and you make a mistake, so be it. We'll learn from it and we'll move on. If you know what you're doing wrong and you do it anyway, that's yeah, that's unacceptable. That's different. Right? And that's yeah. that's that's about as a leader trying to be you know, beyond reproach. So leading by example um, sounds like a throwaway, but it's hard to do all the time. Um, and you really you really just need to reflect regularly on your behavior
0: yeah well uh, again sound like a broken record, but you yeah, very good points and i think when I think about leadership and at the very the very the nucleus of leadership, what leadership is it's our ability to, to influence mm. now that's influencing by leading by example or by communication, whether that be written or oral, and we've spoken about active listening, which is a part and we've spoken about your example, where your company started major thirty years ago, which makes you old um had that style that authentic leadership that brought people in so that's that's how that's how he influenced um and i think if we if we go back and and look at all the stuff we spoke about in the articles that you've chosen they all all have that that aspect that influential piece of it and i think that's that's critical um so we're out of time but i look we could talk about this stuff forever well i could anyway um Thanks for coming in um, and jo- and joining me to discuss the Co's most recent challenge. As I said at the start, uh, this is a special edition podcast. Uh, I have two other podcasts lined up. One is on strategic decision-making and the other two, uh, sorry, the other one is a two-part podcast series on how to transition, just about giving tips and how to effectively transition. Uh, as, a, as a very broad over, uh, overview of what I want to get at is that I think when people transition, they're too, they're too quick to go. I'm out of army. I'm not coming back. Where I think there's there's some real value um, for both the member and for the army if you go and, and serve on as a reservist because we we need those skills. But I'll talk about that in another podcast uh, to our listeners. Um, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us, um, and thanks, gents, for, for participating.
3: Well,